Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there, and God bless you. Welcome into the study. We are very glad to have you. We're going to do a little special topic. Uh, we're going to cover the elect. Who are the elect, and how were they elected? How were they chosen? You see, the, the Greek word for elect in the Strong's Concordance is 1588, and it's eklektos, and it means chosen or predestined, determined beforehand. So we're going to begin this study in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And it's really important to understand who these elect are and their purpose and the whole reason they were chosen to begin with. So with that, we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, means a sent one or chosen one of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, the saints, that means the set-aside ones. Verse 2, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love. Now, these first few chapters of Ephesians can trip people up because they don't understand that verse right there. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation. That word foundation in the Greek is kathabol, and it means the overthrow. What is this overthrow? If you remember from 2 Peter chapter 3, from about verse 5 to 7, it tells us there was a world that was. And Peter's telling them at that time, hey, I'm just putting you in remembrance of these things that happened. At one time, this world was beautiful, and Satan rebelled. And during that rebellion, there were those that stood for Christ. And then that, during that overthrow, at that overthrow, everything was, gone, was done away. And we were born into this flesh body to, see, to be tested, to see who was going to follow Satan or who was going to love God. But those who were chosen before the foundation were those that stood with God during that rebellion of Satan. Verse 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Meaning the elect were there before, they fought against Satan before, and they're going to be here in the flesh to do it again. Verse 6, To praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Verse 8, wherein He hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. This mystery, that is a sacred secret. And what it's talking about there's not that many people nowadays in this time 
they'd understand that there was a world age before this one. That we were in that age. They, you know, they'll, they'll catch that Satan rebelled and that Satan and his minions fought against God and his angels. But then who were the angels and who were the minions? The angels were spirits. All, all angel means is messenger. But it's those who are in a spiritual body. We were created in the spirit before the overthrow of Satan. We were there. And so then that's how we were chosen. And that's where this mystery comes from, because not many people understand that. They've not been given the eyes to see or the ears to hear that. As it would say in Romans chapter 8, they're in a spirit of slumber. They, they just, God's protecting them from themselves, basically. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, to save his children at that specific time, when this time is to be fulfilled. That's what God's will is, to save all of his children. That's the whole reason for the catabol, that overthrow, is because Satan drew a third of God's children with him to rebel against God. And he had the decision, blot them out then. They fell for Satan. They fell in and, and rebelled against God with Satan. So kill a third of his children at that point or overthrow the rebellion, cause them to be born in the flesh and basically have a chance to make up their mind in the flesh with wiped memories. No recall of the time before. Are you still going to follow Satan? Or will you love God? That's his will now, is to save each and every one of his children. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You see, the plan of God happens exactly as it's prophesied. And in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 26, God said, Remind me of my promises. Let me know that you know them. That's what he's saying. He said, I, God never forgets a promise. But he wants to know, do you know his promises? Do you know what his will is? Do you understand that he wants to bless us? Now, how do you get predestinated? How, how are you elected? Romans chapter 8. We're going to move over there. Romans chapter 8. We're going to pick it up about verse 28. Let's see here. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose, according to His will or His plan. Verse 29. For whom He did foreknow... What is this for? No. As for those of us that stood against Satan in that first earth age, that he knows for a fact will stand again, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now this predestinate in your Strong's Concordance is 4309, and it's proorizo, proorizo. And it means ordained or determined beforehand. 
when the elect stood, when those few stood against Satan at that time, he knew he could count on them in this age to stand against him again. Verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Now one thing on this justified, that means they overcame. God will, God will interfere in an elect's life. Just as we see the example of Paul, where Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he was just having a time against the Christian church. He was persecuting them, throwing them in jail. He, man, he was rough on them. And what happened? Paul was an amazing scholar. He studied at the feet of Gamiel, and this man knew the word inside and out. He just missed the point that Christ was that child promised to be born of a virgin. He missed the point that Christ was the Messiah. He just didn't quite catch it. And on that road to Damascus, Christ struck him down and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, I have chosen you. You are my chosen vessel. Paul was an elect. And that's why Christ could come and interfere to get him back on the right track. And if you're God's elect and you get off the track, he will straighten you out. He'll put you right back on track. It might be a little rough sometimes, but he'll get you. It's just tough love. Just like a disobedient child that gets a little punishment, that's you just you just accept it. That's part of it. And so in this first earth age, or this first eon, this before the catabol, he justified the elect, meaning he judged them that they would make it. Now, some might say, well, that just don't seem fair. They've got a free pass. No, no. The elect can still mess up. The elect can still foul up in this life. It's the unpardonable sin that the elect have the burden of carrying. Not necessarily the burden. We get, it's the elect have that glory to be able to stand up and speak out and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them when the Antichrist is here. But if they don't allow that Holy Spirit to speak through them, or if they talk too much, which it's liable to be more of the case, then that's the unpardonable sin that's getting in God's way. So the elect have that job to carry. That's also why the white throne judgment, that judgment of everyone, happens after the millennium. You see, the elect were justified in the Spirit. Therefore, it would not be fair, or it wouldn't be righteous, and God is righteous and fair, but it wouldn't be if He judged or justified or condemned anyone in the flesh. Therefore, after the millennium, when we're in our spiritual bodies for a thousand years and have been taught, as it explains in Ezekiel 44, at that point, that's when the great white throne judgment happens. In the Spirit, everyone is in the Spirit. And that's the fairness in that judgment. Verse 31. What shall we say? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with his with him also freely give us all things. Now that don't mean he's going to freely give you a Cadillac or any type of, uh, you know, just you're not going to just win the lottery because, oh, well, here, let me just throw it. It takes work. But what this is talking about is freely give us all things 
as far as wisdom, as far as knowledge of God, that's what's important. Monetary value in this world, it rusts, it corrupts, it disintegrates. It's here one day and gone the next. But that knowledge of God and wisdom from God, that is what we should be asking for. And that's what He will freely give us if we seek, knock, and ask. He'll give it to us. Verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That means, who's going to bring charges against them? Who's going to persecute them? It is God that justifieth. Nobody can come against God's elect because He will protect them. Those are, these are the same elect that God said, these children are like the apple of my eye. That means the pupil. And if someone was to poke you in the eye, you're going to protect that eye real close. Before, before the finger even gets there, you've got an eyelid that in a nanosecond will blink and protect that eye from getting hit or getting damaged. And that's the same way God is with His elect, with those who really love Him, that, that care for Him and want to, to dig in and find His will and find this truth. He will protect them. Now, let's move over to Romans chapter 11. Just jump over here right quick. We're going to start it in verse 1. Romans 11 and verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. This is Paul speaking. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, you see there, Paul was a Benjamite. God hath not cast away His people, which he foreknew. Here we go with this foreknowing. What ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, or Elijah, how he maketh intercession of, to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. Now there's a time coming in the not so distant future when the Antichrist is going to be here. And you might think, well, they've killed my prophets, they've digged down thine altars. That means they are, they are totally disrespecting God. Let's take this in a spiritual sense. How do you die spiritually? You go away from God. So for them to kill their prophets, that means that those prophets are leaving God's worship and they're believing that the Antichrist, that Satan, is the true Christ. Therefore, they are spiritually slain. And he digged down their, their altars. Well, that's because an altar that is any bit tampered with by the enemy is profane. And everybody, the whole world is going to be deceived by this. And they're going to be following after Satan, thinking he is the true Christ. And in that time, it's going to feel real lonely for those, for the elect who know the truth, who understand that the Antichrist is coming first, who understand that They've got a job to do. Because this is, as Christ would speak of, that mother will turn against son, or against daughter, and father against son. And just, it, it sounds like it's terribly, a terrible war. But what it is is spiritually. And the elect are gonna, it's, it's gonna feel pretty lonely. But what does verse 4 say? But what saith the answer of God unto him? And this is God. I have reserved to myself 7,000 men 
who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. That's 7,000. He's reserved. He's chosen, predestined. He got these very elect that are not ever going to bow a knee. But they're going to stand and fight against this. Verse 5, Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And this remnant are those who have passed down this word, this truth, generation to generation, whereby this truth will be obtained by the elect. They'll be, they'll be able to understand what it is. God will bless their mind that they will understand the rebellion of Satan. They will understand the three world ages. So there was the one before the rebellion. There's this one that is this flesh age. And then there is the one, as, as Peter would mention again in Second Peter chapter 3, I believe it's along about verse 13, that a new heaven and a new earth, or this new time, will be ushered in. And that is the eternity. That's when all evil is blotted out. All wickedness is gone. The tears are dried up and it is beautiful and perfect. From there on out. Now, you might wonder, well, what does it take to be an elect? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. And we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, it's a, a, a priest town. It's about three miles northeast of Jerusalem in the land of Benjamin. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So he had him a good run here. Jeremiah is one that's carrying away captive in, in the when Jerusalem or Judah was carried away captive. That is symbolic. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians are symbolic of the Antichrist coming in and taking the world spiritually captive. Verse 4 Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, I formed thee, or before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. How is that? Because the world that was, that time, before the catabole, before the overthrow, and before, they, ooh, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. He justified, he set him aside, he chose him. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He is to go out and teach. You wonder where the remnant are. This book of Jeremiah is right on, is, is a remnant speaking at you, right here. Verse 6, Then said I, this is Jeremiah, Ah, oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. Or he's, he's young at this point. I believe he was around uh, 19 or 20 years old. Verse 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I, send, that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command Thee thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now, this, had, this is 
a great example for us in those who are delivered up before Satan, before the Antichrist, to speak, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Be not afraid of their faces. As it would say in Matthew, don't fear those who can kill your body, but fear him who can kill your body and your soul. Verse 9, Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Huh. Now that sounds a whole lot like the Holy Spirit speaking through us. Let's move over to Matt to Mark chapter 13. Now Mark was a young man when he when Christ was walking the earth. And so his gospel moves real fast. And he picks up on the subtle things that many wouldn't pick up on. So let's move over here to Mark 13. Let's just pick it up at verse 1. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Now, that is the question that we all want to know. What's it going to be like before you show up? What, tell us exactly what, step for step, what's going to happen here? Verse 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. Lest any man deceive you. Don't let anybody trip you up. Know this word. Study this word. Whereby you won't fall into that deception. Verse 6, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must need be, but the end shall not be yet. If there's wars going on, or rumors of wars, that means there's not peace. Now why does that matter? Because when the Antichrist comes, in Daniel it tells us that he comes in peacefully and prosperously. Why will the world not be at war? Because they think Christ is here. It will be the greatest revival you've ever seen. The whole world will be at peace and will be prospering. And everybody will just, it's just going to be heaven on earth, except for it's Satan. Verse 8, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of the sorrows. Now these sorrows are like birth pains. But take heed to yourself, for they shall deliver you up to councils. Now here we go. This is where God in Jeremiah said, Do not fear their faces. Don't you worry about it. This is God's will. And in the synagogues you shall be beaten. Now this beaten, that sounds bad. It sounds like you're going to get beat up. God also said, Touch not mine anointed. This beating is, they're going to, they're going to browbeat you basically. They're going to sit in there and try to pull all the mental games and spiritual games they can to get you to turn against God, to get you to worship Satan, to get you to believe that Satan is the true Christ. 
and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. What's this testimony? It's this word. And the gospel, this word, must first be published among all nations. Now, many might say, well, I don't know how that's happening. You know, this, this little podcast right here, from a tiny little community in East Texas, is going, has gone around the world through the blessings of God. It, it's great you can hit a button on a computer and broadcast to the entire world. That's how this gospel is being published. And, and, and millions of others are, are doing the same thing. Verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do you premeditate. It's what God just told Jeremiah. The elect. You're going to be delivered up. Don't think about what you're going to say. Why not? But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what we read with Jeremiah. Whenever the elect are delivered up, the purpose of the elect is to be there to witness against Satan. To tell the world, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them, to tell the world, that's not Christ. That's Antichrist. The elect have a very, very important and special role in this age. And that's why God chose those who did not bow their knee, who did not join the rebellion, but who stood up for God in that first eon, in that time that Satan rebelled, they stood strong. Now, if you understand God's plan, you understand that there's three world ages. You understand that Satan rebelled and caused a third of God's children to rebel against God also. If you understand that our job, your destiny, is to stand against the Antichrist and not to just load up on a wagon and fly out of here, chances are you may be a chosen one. You may be a chosen vessel who is going to be delivered up. But at the same time, don't worry. God's got it. Take no thought beforehand, for He will give you in that hour what to speak. I hope you've enjoyed this little study on the elect. Uh, it's definitely important to understand that. It's definitely important to know that there are those who are going to be delivered up. And to understand what their job truly is. God bless y'all. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.